Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us over in Appleton and Stevens Point, as well as all those via the internet and watching on television. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Good to have you with us this morning. All you guys over in Point Appleton as well. Good morning to you. Uh, welcome back our uh, missions team from the Green Bay campus. Just came back from Myanmar for a medical missions trip. And I guess it went incredibly well. <clears throat> I'm surprised Bob's here this morning. <laughs> All of two hours of sleep. If he falls over, you'll know why. I want to keep Pastor Lathan in our prayers. As most of you know, he had open heart surgery uh, a couple of weeks ago, and then they had to go back and do some more surgery, and, uh, and now he's home, and he's still recovering, still struggling, but it's a big deal uh, when uh, you go through something like that. So I want to pray that uh, everything will start working the way it's supposed to start working. Everybody say Amen. All right, so remember, Pastor Lathan, in your prayers. We are doing a series <clears throat> on the Apostles' Creed, that statement we just all said together. We repeat it every Sunday. It is the focus of, or it's the foundation of what we believe as uh, people of faith, Christian people. Uh, we say it every Sunday, not just for ourselves to remind us, but to drill it into our children and to our grandchildren. These are the fundamental truths that Christians hold all over the world. This is what uh, we focus and major on. <clears throat> There's lots of other opinions about a great many things in the Bible that people of goodwill can have varying opinions about. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit, how to be baptized, this, that, and the other, as after the thing. And, and we certainly, we don't shy, we don't say this to, to say, we're afraid to say anything because I'm not afraid to say anything. It gets me in trouble all the time. <clears throat> but uh, I share with you what I think. This is what I think. This is how I approach life. I hope you all think just like me. But you don't have to. It's not that kind of thing. It's never dogmatic. I don't think I've ever been dogmatic about it. It's just this is what I think. There's a difference between what I think and what we as individuals think and what we corporately believe. This stuff. This is the non-negotiable stuff. This, these are the things which we believe. Personally, I think it's a, a greater credit to the kingdom of God when you can fill a church with people who don't think the same about everything. But yet we love each other and we honor God because we follow the basic principles. All right, many churches, actually the bulk of churches that I grew up in, everybody had to think the same about everything. And if you didn't think the same about everything, you had to go somewhere else. And that's why you had all these gazillion little churches, 400,000 of them in America. 
Well, you know, uh, about a hundred in each one that all got their little things, you know, because everybody can't agree on stuff. And just like, relax, okay? Uh, there's things that not everybody's going to agree on, and it's fine. Uh, but uh, this is the stuff that we agree on. If you go to, in fact, even to this day, if you see other churches and go onto their websites and click what we believe, you'll get a long list. They have a doctrinal statement about everything. You go to our website, you're going to get the Apostles' Creed. That's it. Not that we don't have uh, opinions about all these other things, but these are not dogmatic things. We don't need to wrestle, and not everybody has to think exactly the same. All right? I freely will tell you what I think about a great many things. Uh, <coughs> doesn't always serve me well, but I don't really run these things through a committee ahead of time. All right? I frequently say things that, uh, you know, even those closest to me tell me not to say. My wife, among them, don't say that, don't say that. I go, I'm going to say it. That's why I say it anyway. So uh, it is what it is. It's fine. I'm just saying what I think. Everyone needs to relax. For heaven's sakes, you know. Uh, my messages are not pre-approved by a committee. Um, I oftentimes... <laughs> We'll do series that, uh, a couple of years ago, at Christmas time, I did a series entitled, Ho, 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 Hoes of the Bible. <coughs> and uh, you guys remember that? Yeah, it was a, it was a great series. Now, 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 I shared that with all of our pastors ahead of time, and to a man, they all said, no, you can't do it. And I said, <laughs> and I did it anyway. All right? It's fine. Besides, it's a great, it's a great story of, of redemption, no matter all the mistakes that you make. You know? Ho, ho, ho. There's a... In the beginning of the Christmas story, it gives the genealogy of all these men. They name all these men. Only three women are mentioned by name. All three of them were hoes. Ho, ho, ho. You got no hoes, you got no Christmas. All right? I'm not encouraging you to be a hoe. I'm just saying <laughs> that they were all hoes. That's the power of redemption. Somebody say amen. amen. You can make the worst mistakes. It doesn't matter. God can overcome anything. He can take your biggest disaster and turn it into something so beautiful it won't make sense to anybody. That is the power of the gospel. So anyway, I've been known to say a few things that uh, <laughs> rattle. Rattle some cages. I will say this. If, if, if you don't like something, just relax. Just, just wow. You know, last week, I, you know, I made a smart comment about the whole election process. You know, some people got mad as a hornet. Apparently, they, they missed the relax part. That was the main point. Relax. That's you know what I thought. You can't tell us what you think. Really? Are you new to this church? <laughs> I mean, so, well, I didn't like it. Okay. Relax. <laughs> What's that drug to get people to calm down? What, what, Valium. We need to put some in the communion cups. Uh, Ah, I feel a lot better. Just... All right, so here we go. <clears throat> the next portion, 
we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, and the fellowship of believers. And I put these three together because I believe they are all intertwined. The Holy Spirit. Now, you have to understand, before Jesus came and the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, you look through the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came on special occasions to specific individuals. The Holy Spirit would come upon someone, they would prophesy, or someone to do something incredibly great, and, you know, the Holy Spirit would fall on Samson, and he'd have strength that, you know, no one had ever seen. So all that, they all were familiar in the Old Testament with the Holy Spirit. The Jewish people all knew about the Spirit of God coming on people, but it was a unique experience to some unique individuals. It wasn't something that was game for everybody. But then things start to change. John the Baptist comes, and he starts baptizing people. In the Jordan River. And the Bible doesn't say much about John the Baptist, but he must have been incredibly powerful. Thousands of people from all over the country came to see him. I think, how do they even hear about this guy? It wasn't like they had the internet, you know, or radio ads. I mean, there's one person after another. How do you even get started? All we know is they came by the thousands. And he had such an impact on them. And he was baptized. The first time we saw baptism in the Bible. We read about it in Mark, the first chapter. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now John, a bit of an odd feller, wore clothing made of camel's hair. <laughs> kind of itchy, wouldn't you think? He had a leather belt around his waist and he ate bugs. He was a bug eater. He ate locusts with wild honey, which I guess if you have enough honey, you can eat bugs. This was his message. After me comes one more powerful than the nine. That was pretty shocking because he was pretty powerful, drawing these huge crowds. He says, this one is coming, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and even untie. I baptize you, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now this had to really kind of hit their ears. What? Someone's coming that's going to baptize all of us in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was really only for special people. Unique, powerful people, holy people, whatever the deal was. That God had called to do this, that, or the other. And now John is saying, the one who's coming next is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about it in his ministry. John, the 14th chapter, he says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father. And he will give you another advocate. In other words, someone who's on your side. Someone to help you. To be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. See, it still hadn't happened yet for them. But he's telling them this is coming and the spirit is going to be inside of you. Uh, later, later in that same chapter, he says, The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Will remind you of everything I said to you. He'll make the things of God come alive in a way that you just couldn't experience before. And if you've ever been to a church where <laughs> there is no evidence at all of the Holy Spirit, you know, it's just like, you know, pouring sand in your eyes and blah, blah, blah. You, nothing rings true. But you get into a church where the Holy Spirit is active and powerful and present. It's a whole different ballgame. And the Word of God jumps out at you and the truths of God jump out at you and you know, oftentimes I'll preach a sermon if someone will come up to me and says, man, you, you got microphones in our house. How'd you know we were struggling with that? You know, and, uh, but the, uh, actually it's one of the reasons why most pastors, guys that I talk to today, including myself, we try not to counsel people. And the reason is 
The reason we don't counsel is because then we can't talk about it. Because if you come to me with your version of crazy, and you come to me with your version of crazy, and I talk to you for a couple hours about it, then on Sunday I talk about versions of crazy, you're going to think I'm talking to you. That's what happens. I was talking to a pastor yesterday in Massachusetts. Man, I can't counsel anybody. As soon as you counsel, you can't say anything anymore. They all think you're talking about them. They all mad and defensive. So I don't want to know you're crazy. I just want to preach. Bob will listen to your crazy. All right? Unless he has to preach, then he doesn't want to hear it, you know, because everybody gets thinking, he's talking about me, or is he yelling? You know, he's beating me up for the pulpit. I promise you, I do not need the pulpit to beat you up. <laughs> I'll beat you up in person. I have no problem with that. Really, you don't want to, you don't want me counseling. You're not really. I'm not warm and fuzzy, as you might think. I'm funny. I'm pretty serious, believe it or not. Uh, but I present things in a funny way to keep your attention. But it's just the way I'm not trying to be that way. It's just the way I am. But, you know, in a big group, it's very palatable. In a small group, not so much. Because if I look at you and say, you're being an idiot, you all laugh because you're thinking I'm talking about the guy next to you. <laughs> right? But when you're the only one in the room, I go, you're being an idiot. Ow, that kind of hurts. So you don't want me, I promise you. So anyway, then Jesus goes to the cross. He's resurrected on that third day. Uh, after being seen by his disciples and doing all things he's doing, he finally is taken up into heaven just before he goes. He tells his disciples, now remember, don't go anywhere. You stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes because this is a game changer. I'm not sure they still understood what he was talking about. It still seemed odd and strange to them. They saw Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. The Bible talked about that. But then again, he's Jesus. There's someone special, you see. That's for these people, not for us. But all this talk that somehow, someday, all this was going to come out to everybody. So then they're waiting in this upper room. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down. Boom! They are filled with the presence of God. It fills all of them. They're speaking in tongues. They're worshiping God. I mean, they're just, who knows what's going on. They are having one Pentecostal party. Well, everybody in the city hears them, what the heck is going on? And people say, what is this? I don't know what this is. What do you, you know? and, and they start making fun of them. And, and I, you know, I just think they're drunk. You know, these guys are drunk. They're acting like they're drunk. And, uh, and the Bible says, Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice. Hey, hey, everybody. And he addressed the crowd. He says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Clearly Peter, I'd never been to Wisconsin. Right. It's five o'clock somewhere, you know. So. They're not drunk. He says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Because Joel was the first one in the Old Testament to hint to the fact that someday the Holy Spirit is coming to everybody. And they had read this, but they couldn't possibly even get their heads around it. Because this, how could this be? And then he quotes that Old Testament prophet and saying, this is what's happening now. And he quotes from the Old Testament prophet where he says this, Joel says this thousands of years ahead of time. In the last days, God will, says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now that's very radical. You have to understand from their standpoint, that was extremely radical. On all people? Your sons and your daughters will prophesy? Really? Your young men will see visions? Your old men will dream dreams? People will experience God. Everybody can experience God. This is radical. 
even on my servants. And man, servants were servants. They were nobodies. They were nothing. They had a very strict, you know, economic class system. You know, it wasn't like the United States of America where you could rise up to be whatever you want to be, man. Back in those days, you were born poor, you stayed poor forever. It is what it is. Uh, but even the most despised people, the most ignored, overlooked people would receive the Holy Spirit. It's like, how radical is this? And, they says, and then both men and women, outrageous! Oftentimes you hear people say, you know, Christianity oppresses women. These people are delusional. Christianity was the first religion that came and set women free. It's the only religion in the world that came along and said, hey, men and women are the same in front of God. There is no male and no female. No Gentile, no Jew. I mean, it's all the same. It lifted up until this point. Women were counted along with the sheep and the cattle. They really were. Even in the, in the Gospels, when it talks about Jesus fed the 5,000, read it. It says, it says 5,000 men. They didn't count women and children. And then it says, and some women and children, which, yeah, the women and children, probably triple the crowd. But all that really mattered was the men. There were the men, 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 men. It says, now the Spirit's going to come, and it's going to fall on everybody, including the girls. <gasps> They're amazed by this stuff. I will pour out my Spirit in those days. They will prophesy. This is the one thing that makes Christianity so different than everything else. Every other religion in the world, and I, I don't think we really appreciate it, and thankfully because... Most of us, you know, this is our reality, coming to Christ, experience God inside us. Most people in the world never experience this. Most religions, it's them and God is way out there some way. Way Now, there's some Christian churches that's like that. Some of you were raised in churches like that. You're as God and God was a million miles away until you finally met Jesus, really, and the Spirit came into you and changed everything. But there's whole religions that they never experience it. They chant, they do their rituals, whether they're Buddhists or Hindus or Muslims or whatever, and they're, just, they're going through their thing, but they, they never, ever experience God in here. It's all out there, and they're trying to reach out to God. So Christianity comes. Jesus comes into your life. The Spirit of God comes into you. And you're born again, Jesus says. The Spirit of Christ gives you new life. And now you have this wonderful communion with God. It's incredible. You know, uh, Hazem Faraj, that uh, uh, Muslim guy that converted to Christianity was here early. He's coming back in a few weeks, by the way. I've been pressuring him to come back. <laughs> See if we can keep him calm down for a few minutes. But, uh, <clears throat> and, uh, so I'm looking forward to it. But he's working on this book right now. He has gone and interviewed many uh, converts to Christianity in the Muslim world. And overwhelmingly, the way they're becoming converts is they're all having visions and dreams of Jesus. Jesus is coming and appearing to them. I mean, we're talking some of them in their stories. They are hardcore. I want to kill you, people. And Jesus, having visions of Jesus. Uh, I have a friend, Pastor Joe. I know him uh, over there, his work over there. He'll, he says, man... There's villages, small villages, where everybody in the village, the entire Muslim village, all have the exact same dream. All of them. About Jesus. And it's freaking them out. It's freaking them out. What is that? It's called the Holy Spirit being poured out. And he's speaking to people. And people are getting saved and being converted. And it's, it's a great, as you read, the, what he's done is he's taken all these stories. He speaks Arabic and he's translated their stories into English. He wants to do it into a book. You know, he's a young guy. He's got no money. 
I, I would love to, I'd like to have this as a missions project. I would love it because they need like 15 grand. I'm sure we can raise it. Like half a dozen of you guys or three or four of you could cough, cough in enough and we could do it. Get this book published uh, that's going to tell these stories. It's from their own words and they tell their stories of, of how they were raised and what they went through and they were extremely devout. But it was like God was a million miles away and the anger and the frustration and the pressure and then they have this vision of Jesus and they believe in Jesus and everything changes. Now God is real. It is powerful. The Holy Spirit comes, brings them new life. That's why they convert even under the threat, and I promise you, the threat of death. Who would do this? People who've been filled with the Holy Spirit, who've encountered the living Christ. Powerful stories of what is happening. Everyone else, it's God is over there, but for us, God is here. Jesus told his disciples, he's, he's with you and he's going to be in you. Well, he's in us now. When you come to Jesus and you are a born-again Christian, the Spirit of God comes in you. It's what transforms us. That's what changes your life. Uh, there's people at all our campuses. I love to hear the story of, of people in campuses. Uh, some of you were really nice people and became Christians. Some of you were just horrible, <laughs> terrible people. <laughs> if you knew who they were, you wouldn't be sitting so close to them, you know, uh, whose lives have been dramatically changed. I, I, I was talking to a couple of guys after the service this morning. Several who'd been in prison, you know. That's their rap sheet, man. But you'd never tell it in a million years. They started coming to this church. They got saved. Man, their lives are all lit up and the joy of the Lord's on their face, introducing me to their families now that they have five years later and stuff. I wish you could have heard them talk. How does someone change like that? The government tries to rehabilitate people in prisons and stuff. It doesn't really work. But when people encounter Christ, there's a major rehabilitation that happens. There's a change that happens. It's called the power of the Holy Spirit in them. It starts to change them. And he's continuing to change. All of us, you know, I may not be who I'm going to be, but thank God I'm not who I used to be. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, this Holy Spirit is a powerful thing. And not only is he in us, he loves to show up and do supernatural things. The Bible talks about it as the gifts of the Spirit that happens in the church. That's why we're grouping together. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the church. We believe in the fellowship believers. It's in that fellowship of believers in the church that the Holy Spirit shows up and does amazing supernatural things. Paul writes about it. He says, now to each one, uh, in the church, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one person, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. I mean, you know how sometimes you go to somebody, you're trying to find some advice and stuff. And by the way, if anybody asks you for advice, give them some advice. If you don't know, send them to someone else who might know. Okay? Don't just tell them to pray about it. One of the biggest irritations I have today are Christians. I don't know what their problem is. Either they live in such ignorance and they don't know what the Bible says or they're fearful. They don't want to take the risk of saying something wrong. And all they tell is people, just pray about it, just pray about it. It sounds spiritual. That's not spiritual. They should pray about it. They should pray about everything. But when they're coming to you for advice, you should give them advice. Advice. If you come to someone for advice and all they tell you is to pray about it, get away from them. Think They're an idiot. Move on. Find somebody else. Because the stuff that goes on, you know, I tell the story of this guy, he moves to Green Bay and he's sitting in church and, you know, he's all depressed and great afterwards. He says, Pastor, will you pray for me? And, and I never just pray for people. I want to know, why am I praying for you? I'll pray for you, but I want details. So I'm asking him, 
What's the deal? He says, well, I, I feel so guilty. Why? <laughs> I want to know why. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm living with this woman. We're not married. So, oh, come on, dude. You know better than this. Why don't you just marry the girl? I've never understood fornicating. I just don't get it. Adultery, I know that's, you know, see, you fall in love with someone else, you're not paying attention, you're already married. I mean, it gets complicated. But two people are not married, you want to have sex? Just marry each other. You have sex, your eyeballs pop out. All right? So I tell him, dude, just marry the girl. I said, well, that's the problem. I said, what do you mean? She's already married. What? You want me to pray for you because you feel guilty? You're supposed to feel guilty. He comes from Texas. I says, I says, didn't you have a big church you came from? Yeah. Did you tell anybody in your church what you were doing? Yeah. So you told your friends that you were thinking of moving to Wisconsin to move in with a woman who's already married. Yeah, I, I told my, my fellowship. So what they tell you? I said, well, we'll just pray about it. Pray about it? You don't need to pray about it. Gee, should I kill somebody? I don't know. Let me pray about it. There's some things that are pretty clear. Anyway, you're supposed to be able to give advice to people. If you don't know, if someone asks you advice, man, I honestly don't know. Let me take it over to here to someone that you know that's a mature Christian. Give them some advice. But even beyond that, sometimes there is just a supernatural part of wisdom that God will give somebody a word for somebody else that will absolutely know exactly what they should do. It's called the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's cool. I've had it happen to me. I have literally been talking to people and all of a sudden just start saying things I didn't even know. And when I went down, I went, wow, that was cool. You know? But right away, I knew it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This happened to you. You can tell the Holy Spirit just comes on. All of a sudden, you're saying stuff, and you're giving advice, and you're helping. And it's just the Spirit of God talking through you to this person. It's a very cool experience. Well, it's never happened to me. It's because you never talked to anybody. <laughs> I know you people. I love you. I love you all. I do. I love you. I do. I so love you. But you know, you, you just got your, your couple of friends and your family and your neighbors. That's all you ever talk to. You need to break out of your wall. You need to connect with people. That's what the fellowship of the believers is about. God uses people to touch other people. You want supernatural stuff happening? You need to connect with more people. I know a lot of you come to church and as soon as the service is over and we say amen, it's like the bell to the Kentucky Derby. And they're off. Woof. Everybody's out of here. Now, I know it. You got places to go. You got a roast in the oven. You want to get away from Ralph over there. You don't want to talk to him anymore. Whatever the deal is. <laughs> but you're not going to really succeed at this, and you're not going to experience the supernatural in the, the way I'm talking about if you don't connect with each other. Well, how do I do that? Volunteer. Get involved. Open your, you know, circle of friendship. Because you'll find that God will use people to speak into your life with some of these gifts. And God will use you to do the same to them. It's really fun when you can tell it's you that is being used. You know, of course, we've professionalized this today. Somebody waits for, you know, well, there's a certain pastor and he has the one special gift. And let's go to his revival services. It was never supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be everybody since it's in the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit showing up doing these things. Some has a spirit of a message of wisdom. Someone else, a message of knowledge. They'll know something. They don't even know how they know it. They'll know something about you. You don't even know how they know it. It'll even creep you out. But they know it. It's the spirit of God showing up. To someone else, another, another person. Faith. A gift of faith. 
We all have faith. We all, everybody, everybody has a measure of faith. You can't even get saved without a measure of faith. But sometimes there is a supernatural level of faith where somebody can pray for you and pray and turn your life around. You ever feel like you're struggling with your faith? Anybody? Like, or am I the only one? I mean, there's days like, I don't know. And then someone else comes and they have incredible faith and it's just like, boom, they pray for you and stuff happens. That's called the supernatural. Well, it's never happened to me. That's because, and they're off and you never talk to anybody. To someone else, gifts of healing. How many would like that? Well, the aches and pains that you got. Pray for somebody. My God gives them a gift of healing and all of a sudden, you're not hurting anymore. That's very cool. How many of you have ever been touched by God and been healed physically? Let me see your body, hands. All right. See, they're all around there, yeah. Well, never happened to me. It's because then they're off. All right? You need to connect with people. You need to talk to people. You need to let God show up. The Holy Spirit is in us, and as a group, he loves to move and wants to move by the power of the Holy Spirit in gifts of the Holy Spirit, supernatural happenings, and the list goes on and on. They're very cool things, but you can't do it if you just live in your own little world and never get outside the world. There's a lot of people, I'm convinced, when they get to heaven, they're asking God, how come you didn't answer my prayer? He said, man, I tried half a dozen times. But you sat on that side of the church, you never talked to these people on this side of the church. Because I gave her the answer for you. But you never talked to her. Didn't want to talk to her. I mean, it is what it is. Look, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to encourage you. If you want more supernatural things in your life, you want more of God to show up and turn, you have got to connect with people. Because some, some look to me, well, they want me to, I... I'm not your answer. I'm still trying to wake up. All right? People think it's the pastor. If I can just get the pastor to pray for me, that's what will do it. Maybe he has. Well, maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But this isn't about, Christianity isn't about one or two guys that are the superstars. Come, I'm going to pray for you. I'm really something. It's not about that. God loves to show up and use people. He loves to use people. I don't know why. Because people can really irritate me. Ever experienced this? But God loves people. He does. I don't know why he does. And he loves to use you. He wants to use you. I don't care if you're 13 years of age. I don't care if you're 97 years of age. God wants to use you to touch somebody else's life. In the church. Not just in the church, but outside the church. But particularly in the church. It's called the gifts of the spirit. And the more you connect, the more you will experience the supernatural in God. That's why we say we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the church. We believe in the fellowship of believers because that's where God shows up. Why? I don't know why. But he does. And the closer the church, the more powerful the expressions of the Holy Spirit are. Anyway, one final thought about this idea of the church and the fellowship of the church. Uh, let me encourage you, you know. And this sounds self-serving, but it's, it's not, I'm a big boy. I can take any bit of grief any of you can dole out. But the Bible says you're supposed to have a certain amount of respect in the kingdom of God towards pastors and elders. And so the Bible says do not rebuke an elder and treat him as a father. I'm stunned at how many people, when they hear something they don't like or something, they just rebuke the pastor. Well, you're a stupid frazzin', slackin' frazzin'. Really? Come on. A little respect. Well, I didn't like it. Fine. Just come and say you didn't like it. That's all you got to do. Show some respect. Not just to me, but any pastor. Anybody who's taken time and serving God and trying to serve you. All right? And don't be emailing or, or, or 
posting some pastor you don't like online and rebuking him. I get this all the time. Not from our church, but psychos all over the world. I'll post something on my Facebook or something. And these guys, you know, you're nothing but a stupid razor, you know, from some Christian who's 28 years of age. Like, you little snot-nosed brat. <laughs> a little respect, okay? I'm not a piece of cheese. I'm a pastor in the kingdom of God. Even if you disagree, you can disagree. There's something wrong with I'm, these people with the internet stuff. You know, it brings out the crazy in people. This anonymous posting stuff. You know, these weirdos sitting in their basement in their underwear. <laughs> you know, giving their political opinion. This and the Bible says that. And they go around rebuking pastors. It's not like they're just jerks. They're just jerks. I don't tolerate it. I rebuke them right back. And then I delete them. You know, you go to my Facebook page. It's my page. You have no right to express yourself. You don't. I mean, just relax. If you don't like something, somebody says, hit unlike. That's why the button is there. I don't like that one preacher on TV. I don't, just, just unlike him. Don't just write some big, long thesis of why you're wrong and you're a heretic and this is what I think, you know. A little respect. There's no respect today. One of the reasons maybe we don't see more of the supernatural power of God is we don't respect the church. We don't respect what God has set up. He set up the church, the way it's structured and the people that do it. And You know, not that they're, in, not that they're not perfect or they don't make mistakes. I get it. But you can deal even with the most awful situation with respect. The Bible says even if you encounter someone who is in a horrible sin, I mean, they're dead to rights wrong. You approach them with humility, the Bible says. Lest you yourself should be tempted, it says. You don't go around just arrogantly yelling people and dissing people, particularly men and women of God who've given their lives to serve. I don't care if it's me or other pastors in this church or of other churches or online stuff. This, this, I'm telling you, the level of disrespect to people in churches today is stunning to me. They think the pastor's no more than some idiot, you know, 16-year-old kid, you know, who mows their lawn. Don't talk to me that way. Now, you guys don't. No one ever hears. I got a few of you go psycho once in a while, but even then, you're, you're still okay. But this disrespect nonsense that I see from people online towards me and I see it towards other pastors, I think, man, something's wrong here. No, 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 let's not do that. Let's appreciate what we have. Let's treat it with respect. Let's believe in this church that Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail. Let's celebrate this fellowship of the believers because we believe in the Holy Spirit who comes and does supernatural things. We don't have to wait till after we die to experience God. We can experience him right now. Our God can turn your situation around. You can experience supernatural miracles in your life today. But you have to let this come. All right. Enough yelling. <laughs> I'm not yelling. I'm trying to encourage you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. We thank you for the church that you set up. We thank you for the way things are in the kingdom. Help us to treat it with respect. Thank you for the fellowship of believers. Help us, Lord, to break out of our comfort zones and to connect with people and to pray with people and get to know people and connect so that the dancing hand of God can show up in the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit to do supernatural, wonderful, 
encouraging, life-changing things. In your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Have a great day, guys.